Marhaba from TBW. This is the Russia Lebanon update from the 21st of March, 2023. A quick summary of what's going down in Lebanon. Central Bank Chief Riyad Salemeh's interrogation session was postponed to Thursday, the 16th, after he failed to appear on Wednesday before visiting European investigators, part of a multinational probe into his personal wealth. The European delegation, with representatives from France, Germany and Luxembourg, spent about two hours at Biritz Justice Palace waiting for Salome. Salome's lawyer affirmed that Salome will attend Thursday's session after the public prosecution refused the petition he had submitted and scheduled a new session for Thursday. The interrogation session that Salome did not attend was scheduled at 10 a.m. on Wednesday. For procedural reasons, Judge Tarbel Abu Samra would have questioned Salome in the presence of the European investigators acting as the go-between. Under Lebanese laws, they cannot directly question Salome. In January, the European investigators interviewed banking officials in Beirut about the transfer of funds to countries where Salome has significant assets. Salome later left the Justice Palace after a lengthy interrogation session that lasted several hours. Salome's lawyers showed up and submitted a petition that his client not be questioned by foreign judicial officials. Their request was rejected by the prosecutor's office and a new session was scheduled for Thursday. Speaking of banks, the Lebanese pound sunk to a historic low against the dollar on the parallel market on Tuesday, the 14th of March, as banks resumed an open-ended strike. The Lebanese pound, officially pegged at 15,000 to the dollar, was trading at 100,000 against the greenback's dizzying plunge from 1,507 before the economic paralysis hit in 2019. The currency's market value was at around 60,000 to the dollar in late January. Tuesday's low marked another somber milestone in an economic meltdown that has pushed most of the population into poverty. Despite the gravity of the situation, the country has no president and only a caretaker government amid persistent deadlock between rival alliances in parliament. Lebanese banks that have long imposed draconian withdrawal restrictions, essentially locking depositors out of their life savings, were closed on Tuesday as they resumed an open-ended strike. The strike began early last month to protest what the Association of Banks in Lebanon described as arbitrary judicial measures against lenders after depositors filed lawsuits to retrieve savings. Over the past three years, banks' withdrawal limits have sparked public outrage that has seen some Lebanese resort to armed holdups in a bid to lay hands on their own money. Following lawsuits, some judges sought to seize the funds of banks' directors or board members or to force lenders to pay out customers' dollar deposits in pound at the old 1,507 exchange rate. In other news, U.S. Ambassador to Lebanon Dorothy Shea announced on Friday the launch of a $20 million solar and renewable energy fund at Anaband. The people who attended were George Bouchikian, the Ministry of Industry, Walid Fayyad, the Ministry of Energy and Water, Nasser Yassin, the Minister of Environment, Nicolas Vivio, the United States Agency for International Development, or USAID, Lebanon Acting Mission Director, investors and local enterprises. The U.S. Embassy in Lebanon said that the fund, created by the USAID through its Trade and Investment Facilitation, or TIF, and the Activity and Lebanon Investment Initiative, or LII, will unlock private sector investments to finance the cost of solar panel installations for Lebanese entities. Shea said that, quote, This fund is not our first intervention in response to Lebanon's energy paralysis, and it will not be the last. Since 2012, 
the United States government, through USAID, has been providing affordable and renewable backup electricity to homes and businesses. End of quote. Mark Rostal, the TIF project's chief of party, said that this fund is the first seat to help catalyze clean and sustainable energy financing in Lebanon. The embassy said in a statement that USAID, through TIF and LII, committed $4 million in seed funding and $500,000 to structure the fund. With investors pitching in, the fund will raise up to $20 million. It added that securing investment for renewable energy through the Solar and Renewable Energy Fund will sustain production operations for SMEs in need, thus increasing their export capacity, which in turn positions Lebanon as an important export hub. Pope Francis and Najib Mikadi, Lebanon's caretaker prime minister, held an important meeting in the Vatican on Thursday the 16th. At the meeting, the Pope expressed his, quote, firm faith in the message that Lebanon performs through the cultural and religious pluralism that characterizes it and makes it unique in the region, end of quote. He also emphasized the need for solidarity among Lebanese officials to help the nation overcome its current issues and elect a new president. Migadi presented Pope Francis with a letter that outlined Lebanon's situation and the possible solutions the Vatican could contribute to their success. He explained, quote, I invited the Pope to visit Lebanon, seeing as that would represent a beam of hope for Muslims and Christians in Lebanon alike, end of quote. He urged Lebanese officials to work together to navigate the country's challenges and to hold the presidential election as soon as possible. To end this update, we'll be suggesting two books. The first book is Paper Sparrows by Nathalie Abi Ezi. This beautifully written novel follows the story of Leila, who arrives in Lebanon after three years spent studying in London to find that her beloved younger brother has gone missing. She sets out to find him in Beirut, but then bombs start falling. This heartfelt story is set in 2006, during the July War, and sets Leila's journey, a burgeoning romance and an exploration of the meaning of family and home against the backdrop of artillery fire. This book is another triumph for award-winning author Nathalie Abiezi, whose childhood in Lebanon also inspired her semi-autobiographical book A Girl in Dust, set during the 1982 invasion by Israel. The second book is Jasmine and Fire, A Bittersweet Year in Beirut by Salma Abdelnur. In the 1980s, Salma Abdelnur then only nine years old, fled Lebanon for the United States to seek a life away from the civil war. Since then, Abdul Noor has become a very successful food and travel writer in New York City. But Beirut still had a place in her heart and identity, so she decided to move back to the city that was once her physical home, not just a part of her memories. Jasmine on Fire has been described as a humorous journey to resettling in Beirut, but also the reality of Abdul Noor finding herself in the midst of turmoil through the Arab Spring. She seeks to discover the Beirut that still lives on through its wonderful traditions and a city full of beauty amongst the tragedy that endures for the Lebanese people. It's a journey of reconnecting with one's roots. It's important not to let the history of conflict overshadow the incredibly rich and vibrant culture of a country. It sounds like Abdul Noor gets this spot on. Also, if you'd like to read a book by a Lebanese writer to dive into Lebanese culture, we suggest you read for Gavran Khalil Gavran. You may have read The Prophet by him, but there are plenty more books you could read. You can get the book collection of his works and enjoy seeing Lebanon from a new eye. And that's it for this week. If you don't know, 
Rorschach has a newsletter on Substack, so check it out. It's rare, so you won't be flooded with emails, but it will tell you a bit about what is motivating all this. Link in the show notes. Tell us your hopes and dreams at libanon at Rorschach.com. Menschufkun! Kuhn!